coming, but when, or should I say where? In this second episode of the future of automotive, we're going to zoom in on the autonomous car. Now, clever engineers all over the world are working on new technology from Los Angeles to Eindhoven. I want to find out more about the possibilities and the risks of autonomous driving. My name is Maria Punch, and in this edition I'm joined by Henk Nijmeijer, professor at Eindhoven University of Technology, chair of the Dynamics and Control Group, and leader of a research program on autonomous vehicles. And also Matthijs van Miltenburg, former member of the European Parliament for D66 with the portfolio Transport, and currently consultant at European Networks Consultancy. So warm welcome to both of you. Happy to have you here. Morning. Um, Matthijs, how are you adjusting to a life outside Brussels? Well, it's very easy because it's uh, summer season, so uh, I'm enjoying life. Uh, There's, of course, life beyond politics. So uh, I'm also setting up my own business. As you said, I'm launching uh, a consultancy firm. And, uh, well, one of the main challenges will be to work on smart mobility solutions because I'm always triggered by those societal challenges that need uh, quick replies and smart mobility is one of them. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, Hank, you are a professor. The academic year is about to start. It's August now when we're recording this podcast. What are you looking forward to? Oh, surprising question. Uh, what will bring the the and what will be be the new steps, mm-hmm. uh, the new generation? What you see in engineering is uh, developments are extremely fast, both in education, yeah. uh, deep learning, artificial intelligence, uh, all these aspects. We probably are not even ready according to some of the industries around Eindhoven, yeah. to, to educate uh, quickly people on that. But at the same time, research is developing extremely fast uh, these days. Yeah, so a lot is happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Before we move on, I would like to pay attention to our sponsor, Leaseplan. With over 50 years of experience, Leaseplan's mission is to provide what's next in mobility via an any car, anytime, anywhere service, so their customers can focus on what is next for them. So, Henk, I would like to start with you. If we would describe the self-driving car as a child growing up, is that still a baby? Is it a toddler or maybe even a teenager? Oh, a baby. A For baby. me, very clear, a baby. Still Next. in diapers. Um, yes, and even the diapers are not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and why I'm saying that, of course, on the, on, the, on the other hand, some aspects are developing extremely fast. We want an autonomous car that is 100% safe. I don't want to replace my car, even driving myself with all the shortcomings I have, replace it by a car which may have digital faulties, mm-hmm. uh, faults. That is, of course, not acceptable. So it should be better in that yeah. sense than yeah. what I do. Yeah, way and, better. And f- yeah, and the famous discussion is always, and people advocate autonomous cars, I really insist now on the word autonomous cars. It's yeah. okay. The weakest part when you see at uh, look at accidents is is the human, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Much more accidents are caused by ourselves than by mechanical failures, weather, uh, roads. But but still, we are talking about. I just checked before coming here an article five years ago in the U.S. So that's slightly different than here. Mm-hmm. 
you have 80 accidents, not not really that that accidents, mm-hmm. but accidents on 100,000, 100 million kilometers driving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's only, that's an extremely good thing, including the human faults, mechanical faults, yeah. etc. So if you want to have an autonomous car better than that. You have really something to Some do. Some work to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you said I insist on using the word autonomous. Maybe for people who are not in in the industry, what is the difference between saying self-driving or autonomous? Well, aut- autonomous self-driving, perhaps you, you people would, would take that as equal. Uh, but what I mean is, you really enter the car, you take your take a seat, mm-hmm. and. The car does everything for you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes, read what you want, listen what you want. Sleep. 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 Yes. So it's the train. Yeah. Matthijs, um, obviously safety is a really big concern. With your European experience, are there countries in Europe that test on public roads? What's going on right now? Well, actually, uh, here in the Netherlands, I think uh, we're one of the front runners. Uh, uh, if we consider different European countries, uh, the Netherlands is really uh, in all the rankings, uh, well, either number one, number two. Uh, it's quite interesting to see, for instance, uh, KPMG uh, launches yeah. every year a study. It's called uh, the Autonomous Vehicles Readiness Index. Yeah. Last year, we were ranked number one worldwide. So It's a tiny we country. Are, it's a tiny country, yeah. but we are really trying to improve things and, of course, to prepare the future of autonomous driving. And that also includes, for instance, platooning, where trucks uh, are connected, are driving more or less like uh, a little train, It's more efficient, uh, it's better for the environment. So I'm a firm believer that these kind of uh, developments will really be there. Mm -hmm. Technology will impose on society these kind of solutions. So as a former lawmaker, we have to integrate this. And I think we cannot just sit down and relax and think, well, perhaps this is the far future because the future is tomorrow. Mm. But if I may join on this, sure, of course, platooning platooning is, of course, less advanced than autonomous, the autonomous car. Yeah. Could and you explain co- platooning maybe just a little bit more from a technical perspective? Okay, from a technical pers- perspective. Okay, my background in this context is mm. I'm, I'm running a large project on cooperative and autonomous vehicles or a sort of dual mode vehicle that can be autonomous, completely yeah. autonomous, as I explained a minute ago, or cooperative. And cooperative so, sort of says, I use information from a, a preceding vehicle in my vehicle. I'm not using it as a human, but like a Wi-Fi connection between the previous, the, the preceding vehicle and my vehicle, the acceleration, deceleration of the preceding vehicle is directly implemented in the canvas in the computer system of my vehicle. Like so I'm trying to find information. Right, right, right. So you need in that case a Wi-Fi connection, and we are now even working on 5G, 5G. type procedures. Yes, is 5G crucial for this development? Probably in future is at the moment we do we already have a lot of ongoing tests uh, using a, a kind of Wi-Fi protocol uh, and we're doing tests on, on on some of the highways in the Netherlands and we have mm-hmm. accept uh, sort of permission to do so uh, for specific tracks and uh, specific time intervals. Yeah. Do you agree, Henk, um, that the Netherlands is a front runner? 
a frontrunner in a sense that there is a lot of attention to this and a lot of uh, like at a, at a level of, of ministry we are trying to be prepared for what is going to come. At the same time, we still have, of course, the same issues. What is permitted? What is, when do we allow a car to, an autonomous, a mated, automated car, let, mm-hmm. it, let me call it that way, when are we able and, and ready to allow it on the highway? The RW... Yeah. RDW. Yeah, the, that's the, the Dutch organization yeah. for, is it road safety? Is that? Well, f- yeah, that <laughs> tells not road safety no. alone, it also tells which vehicles are allowed to on public roads. And which is a very delicate thing. They are a very hard task, sort of, to judge and evaluate whether a car is ready for what is aimed to. And of course, the standard car, it's easy. It's sort of the the long history. But as soon as you're going to make improvements, software improvement, digital improvements, it becomes a much more challenging thing. The whole discussion is also at that level. I mean, you want only to allow a car, a newer car, an automated car, on a highway or on, on the road, if you're sure that no unwanted accidents happen. Sure. So, Matthijs, I would imagine that every country in Europe has its own RDW or, you know, that sort of organization. There is also an international test. What do we need in in terms of legislation or, like, testing procedures? Um, Because if every country does its own thing um, and I want to drive to France, then I would have a problem. Well, first of all, I think what is very important, and I consider it also as a first major stepping stone, is that we integrate advanced driver assistance systems in new cars. This is all related to the licensing of cars, what we call the type approval of cars. Mm-hmm. Actually, it just imposes technical requirements to manufacturers before they can enter vehicles into the European market. There's a European approach. And, well, over the last months, Europe decided that uh, from 2023 onwards, yeah. very sophisticated uh, safety systems will be required for every new car that will enter the European market. You have to think about, uh, for instance, advanced distraction recognition systems that will warn the driver in case they fall asleep behind the steering wheel, or, for instance, intelligent speed assistance that will really impose to the vehicle that the driver will adopt to speed limits. Um, It can be overruled, but Mm -hmm. these kind of features are, for me, a stepping stone to highly automated vehicles and in the end, even fully automated vehicles, the autonomous uh, cars. It's very important that we have this European approach simply because, well, we don't have a Dutch car manufacturing industry. We don't have a German car manufacturing industry. Actually, these are all European car manufacturers and they are producing for the world market. We also uh, consider that these manufacturers, they are producing for the European market and we need to have a European approach. Mm -hmm. But it also and that's, I think, very important because we can talk about technologies uh, that will impose sooner or later. And Henk, I think, will say, well, it will be later than we all think. It's just a hype. But there are also other issues we have to integrate in our public discussion. Um, 
issues related to liability. What will happen in case of an accident sure. with a fully automated car? Who will be liable? Is that the producer, the manufacturer of this fully automated car? Is it the holder or the driver of this car? Well, actually, he's not driving anymore. He's just sitting in a car. So there's These actually kind of quite, issues. Quite, a bit of, yeah. um, quite a bit of fear, uh, not just on the side of an RDV organization, on the side of consumers probably. And, and then there is the, the technological aspect. But there was a very interesting aspect you mm-hmm. mentioned, and I have a, a, a very clear example on this. We need some Euro- European regulations. Yeah. At the moment, long, heavy uh, vehicles, so long-haul uh, vehicles that are longer than standard, we already allow them in the Netherlands and uh, they are more difficult to maneuver say for the driver it might be a more challenging thing but but energy wise and and cost wise they are extremely efficient they're allowed in the Netherlands they're allowed in only some of the Bundesländer in Germany and not in others so they're allowed in in Scandinavia so a very interesting case you immediately have at hand if you see Mm -hmm. a transport from Netherlands to Scandinavia you sort of are allowed here then you have a problem at the border uh, Um, with Germany. uh, And so that requires really this sort of uh, regulation in Europe. But I think it's not only on, uh, let's say, the technical requirements and the safety requirements of uh, vehicles. It's also related to, for instance, uh, uh, cybersecurity. Uh, Would we like to, to see a car hacked in the future simply because every member state is looking for its own solution or do we need to have a more harmonized approach? The same in so, relation so legislation, to... Sorry to, for, for me to, to interrupt you for a minute, but so legislation is really important, but also the exchange of course, information. Uh, best practices. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, uh, Europe is heavily investing in the exchange of best practices, not only in the field of uh, the technologies, but also in the field of mm-hmm. how to deal with cybersecurity, uh, but also, of course, in terms of data protection and privacy. For me, as a former lawmaker, it's very crucial to see that we will really handle these kind of autonomous vehicles in the proper way when it comes up to privacy and data protection, because I'm less skeptical uh, about the speed, uh, literally the speed, (laughs) these uh, autonomous cars will enter on the markets and will use or highways or urban roads simply because of the data they are producing. One of your colleagues, uh, uh, Professor uh, Carlo van der Weyen, uh, he mentioned uh, recently uh, these kind of autonomous vehicles, the Trojan horses of tomorrow, simply because the one who will drive in this car or get driven around will got a lot of data. That's the main reason, for instance, Google thing. Car. Very good, but Google he did car. not define what tomorrow is. Now, of course, <laughs> and, uh, of we, course can we, can, we can't yes. predict the future. <laughs> but I think this will really impose on European lawmakers a very consistent approach simply because we can't afford that, for instance, the Google car of tomorrow, mm. and of course we have to see what it will be. Eh? Is it in 10 years, 20 years? Mm. But sooner or later it will arrive on the market, it will be used simply because it is of interest. 
Do you think Europe, in a way, is uh, is holding us back? And perhaps in America or China, they can have a much more smooth decision making. And that in Europe, we have to agree with all these countries in the EU, that is. Is that a force holding us back? Yeah, sometimes it is really a problem. But I think in the case of, for instance, data protection and privacy, there Europe is really also one of the front runners uh, at a global level. Simply, we have a, a general data protection regulation that entered into force a bit more than one year ago. We have uh, really thought about how to handle these kind of issues. Uh, But we will see, on the other hand, China, the United States, where technologies can be boosted simply because it will not be hampered by these kind of regulations. So it's also very important, I think, that for European car manufacturers, they can experiment, they can sometimes find the legal frameworks. And here again, here in the Netherlands, we have this legal framework created uh, recently simply to start the experimental use of autonomous vehicles, which is very important because besides of the aspects that are related to safety, which I think is one of the main assets of autonomous vehicles, uh, as Hank already said, the human factor, the human error is uh, really the main cause. More than 90% of the accidents Mm -hmm. are caused by the human error. Uh, If we can phase out the human factor and just have this kind of automated vehicles, it will reduce a lot of casualties. On the other hand, uh, we have to also, as I stated before, to integrate aspects that are, of course, of uh, uh, yeah, legal uh, uh, sure. character, sure. the liability, the cybersecurity, but also data protection. <laughs> and, of course, before we take decisions, I think, and that's a bit lacking sometimes in the discussion, it's also about ethics. Do we really want to have machines that are driving us in a certain way through the Netherlands that are imposing decisions based on algorithms that can sometimes also steer behavior uh, that we probably as an individual will not take. I think this is a a good moment to bring you into the conversation because you're working with young researchers, you're working on the Uh, technology. Are you already, for instance, uh, testing uh, on public roads? Could you tell us a bit about about your research program? Well, certainly I can. Actually, I like to insist I believe in automated vehicles, but autonomous is sort of the extreme. And autonomous Mm -hmm. means autonomous everywhere in city environments where children are running around. Everything can happen. Automated and that's sort of the steps we are making towards autonomous. That's of course the thing that I much more believe in. I wanted to clarify that because otherwise it's, it's sort of a picture as a very black-white impression. Um, what what we see is of course in, in many of the developments uh, these days is it's all about sensors. I, I'm going to discuss close now a bit of the technology yeah, please do. it's about sensors it's about the sensing camera radar lidar all these sort of sensors are becoming so good and people are working very hard on the software that is is sort of operating these systems that a camera can um, recognize itself another vehicle but also can distinguish between a human and a, and a, and a, and a tree a tree and that's or a of course wall. yes yeah. and that's yeah. of course important if you want a vehicle that drives on basis of just the camera information you can use more information mm-hmm. later on but just on basis of camera information you want to be sure this is a tree or this is another human or this is another 
car. This you want, we can recognize. We humans are extremely good in recognizing that that's our system, and we are extremely good in anticipating what a vehicle and other vehicle is doing. If you want to do this with a data-driven approach, and that is where it's all about, mm-hmm. then of course you have to uh, develop very clever algorithms. This is what the Google people and the Microsoft people are extremely good at. Yeah. And they work with teams of, of hundreds of people in contrast to, uh, say, what we do at a university. Yeah. Is that bad? No, we should, of course, very cleverly look at the niches. What can we really do in an artificial intelligence-based context for an autonomous vehicle or an automated vehicle. Yeah. So I see a, 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 a tremendous fast development there, but, yeah. but also sort of the context is, I, I, coming back to the issue, where are the faults? Mm-hmm. Yes, the human is responsible for 90% of the present faults in cars, yes. but a digital digitalized car is probably at the moment, if you would make a comparison, responsible for a much higher percentage of those those accidents in those vehicles. You think so? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Google published, when they started their project with this egg-shaped vehicle, they published the data about in the car driving around. They were allowed to drive around in, in one of the southern uh, states of the US. Yeah. They published the data mm-hmm. and the number of, I shouldn't call it accidents, but the number of sort of interventions, human interventions of the four, the four engineers on board mm-hmm. uh, was tremendous. I mean, compared to the number I mentioned, 80 accidents on over 100, mil, 100 million kilometers, then you have really a comparison. It's amazing how poor the automated vehicle of Google was. It was two yeah. years ago, and by now the data is not published anymore. No, no, no that's uh, obviously a company secret. Yeah, I think uh, we can't predict the future, so I don't know exactly when we will be ready for the mm. fully automated autonomous driving car. But one thing is for sure, uh, I think if we look at the European scale, there are more than 25,000 casualties on a yearly basis. If we look at the challenges of today, we have to fight congestion. We have to improve the transport systems to make it more smooth, to make it more efficient. We have to integrate uh, sustainable development. We have to fight climate change. So that means less CO2 emissions. All these kind of challenges that will be addressed by the automotive vehicle, uh, that will provide answers, that will, in the end, provide solutions. That is the future. And if I look at studies that were launched by the European Commission and European Parliament over the last two, three years, we can say that before 2030, there will be highly automated vehicles on our roads, Of course, we can't predict exactly the future uh, when there will be only fully automated vehicles. But I think, well, uh, let's say up to 10, 20 years, we will see them popping up. And perhaps not all in urban areas, because it will be highly complicated. There, I think we will agree uh, with uh, Hank that it's very interesting to see how this kind of automated vehicles uh, will be integrated in urban areas, where there might be a pedestrian, uh, just a cyclist, (laughs) popping up. Of course, it will be more 
uh, let's say, challenging for yeah, fully automated vehicles uh, using artificial intelligence to learn of all kinds of situations that might pop up. But of course, I think in 10 up to 20 years, we will see, for instance, uh, more uh, automated vehicles uh, driving on our highways. We will see uh, platooning uh, used for uh, uh, the transport of freight, of course, be used in Scandinavian uh, countries. We will see, of course, autonomous vehicles being used in public transport on dedicated lanes. And these are all, let's say, developments that will in the end uh, lead us to also fully automated vehicles, even in urban areas. Yeah. Henk, do you think that we're going to have a fairly long period of time where there will be a sort of transition phase where in secluded areas there will be more and more experimenting and learning with automated vehicles and that, let's say, more traditional way of traffic is, is, is going to coexist for, for quite a while? Well, this is exactly a point we, we mm. discussed even earlier. I think coexist, there are, there are uh, ways to discuss coexist here. Uh, for instance, for um, uh, freight transport, uh, I would say if you create a separate lane for connected vehicles, exclusively for connected vehicles, you can very rapidly make steps forward there. Sure. But... You don't allow a vehicle who is not connected in this same lane at the same time. Otherwise, then we're you're in a world of trouble. Yeah, you're yeah. you're creating enormous trouble, and yeah. this you can do in many ways. And, and what you see in in in, in many cities, of course, you see separate bus lanes, uh, uh, taxi lanes, whatever. I mean, that is a possibility for sure. The, 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 but it requires you have a dedicated space for that, a dedicated sort of uh, place for this automation. Yeah. That, that's one, one, one side you have to realize. Um, I wanted to put, well, leave that for a minute. I had another aspect. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, well, we have to conclude. Uh, so if there is one more thing you'd like to add, then please go ahead. Okay, let me, uh, there's another point here and that is completely uh, missing in the discussion. We should realize that per- perhaps when I was young, when you were, were young, we were sort of used, okay, we wanted a, a car for mobility. Yes. We needed a car for mobility. More and more, this is developing another way. People are not so much in, in, in the desire of having a car, but much more in the desire of having mobility at it's the moment they want. So the service, yeah. needs are changing. Yeah, so this, that right. makes, that's, for instance, BMW is making big concern about their sales because the young german no longer the young german in berlin is no longer always buying a new bmw but just looking at mobility as a service yeah. an on demand f- yes asset. yes and that is a, giving an enormous impulse on this whole aspect can allowing for say your smart vehicle or automated vehicle is available at the moment you want yeah mobility as a service yeah, yeah. yeah. final question for you matthijs We've talked about the challenges, the possibilities, the technology. In the long run, what do you think are the benefits of autonomous driving? Yeah, as already said, I think uh, we will uh, decrease the number of uh, injuries and casualties in, uh, in our traffic systems. We will improve the efficiency of the transport system simply because vehicles will be connected uh, not only to each other, but also to the infrastructure and to everything in the environment of the vehicle. I think uh, it will lead and brings us solutions that will lead 
lead us to less pollution, less em- uh, emissions, especially in urban areas. Very important also because we will have more electric uh, vehicles or hydrogen-powered vehicles. So in the end, I think... Uh, If we sum up, there are a lot of benefits. Technologies will be ready one day. I don't know exactly when, (laughs) but uh, my, uh, let's say, statement and my call upon the new lawmakers is to be ready for it and to start to work integrating ethical dimensions of these discussions, uh, looking at technologies that are really, I think, progressing very fast, and also to integrate uh, data protection, privacy issues, cybersecurity issues, because these kind of uh, uh, developments, uh, we have seen it with the smartphone, and actually uh, an automated car is more or less a smartphone on wheels, uh, gathering a lot of data. Uh, It will improve the transport systems and we need to be ready also as lawmakers to integrate all these aspects in our discussions and in the end also in our decisions and on our new legal frameworks where Europe will bring the solution simply also because we work together and we'll have more critical mass to address these kind of issues than when we act just as for instance here in the Netherlands as a member state on ourselves. Many thanks for joining me, Matthijs van Miltenburg and Henk Nijmeijer. Thank you for listening to The Future of Automotive. You can find the next episode in the BNR app or just use your favorite podcast player. Till next time.